us then this evening return to the portion of God's Word that we read from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 7. And we may take as our text this evening words that you'll find in verses 13 and 14. Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. These words in their context and as the Spirit of the Lord would be pleased to help us meditate on his inerrant truth this evening. The title that we give to our sermon this evening is Only One Road to Heaven. Are you on it? Only One Road to Heaven. Are you on that road? very important question, an essential question for everyone from the very youngest child to the very oldest in this congregation, those listening online, are you on the road that leads to heaven? Because if you're not, you're in a very perilous condition. Every moment of your life, every minute of your life, you are in a dangerous condition. So we seek to answer that question. What is the road to heaven? And hopefully establish whether or not you are on that road. Because ultimately, you can delude everybody around you. You might even be able to delude yourself. If you can't fool the Lord of glory, the judge of all the earth, he knows who's on that road. And in this sermon that Jesus himself has preached, and because he preached it, it's a perfect sermon. He's the perfect preacher. Everything he preached, everything he said was of divine perfection. And even the structure of the sermon is perfect and it gives an example to all his ambassadors, all his messengers, all his disciples, all his preachers. Because just like every proficient exposition of scripture, when Christ preached this sermon on this hillside outside of Capernaum 2,000 years ago, it had a beginning, it had a middle, and it had an end. He introduces his sermon at the beginning of chapter 5 with the first 12 verses, what we call the Beatitudes. And then throughout the sermon, he makes various points. He addresses various doctrines, various false teachings that the Pharisees were engaged in. And repeatedly he said, but I say unto you, this is what you're being taught, but I say unto you. 
That's what it means when he completed this sermon. The people were astonished because he taught them as one having authority. The scribes and the Pharisees, when they preached, would say, Rabbi so-and-so said this, and the prophet so-and-so said this. Christ didn't say that. Christ said, I say unto you. And so we must remember when we consider this text, this is Christ speaking these words. He says, enter in at the straight gate. He says that the broad way leads to destruction. He says that the narrow way leads to life eternal. It's only being conveyed by a feeble instrument. But these are the very words of Jesus Christ. Now commentators are, as they usually are, are divided. But some commentators take the view that here at verse 13, he is bringing his sermon to a conclusion. He's winding things up from verse 13 to verse 29. It's as if Christ is saying, now as a consequence of all the doctrines, all the beatitudes, all the prayer advice that's been given at the beginning of chapter 6, the conclusion is this. You must enter in at the straight gate. And I suppose that's the objective and the conclusion of every sermon that every faithful preacher tries to preach. You must strive to enter in at the straight gate. He's addressing this congregation. He's addressing particularly his disciples. Those in the congregation here who are or will be his apostles, those who are his own, and he's reminding them that they are on a journey to another world, as we, as we saw this morning. They're on a journey to a better land. They're on a journey to a better country. My disciples who hear my preaching, who hear my sermons, they're on the road to heaven because they are following me. So make sure you're on that road. Make sure you're continuing on that road. Find the right entrance. Stay on the right path. Travel using my word as your only rule, as your only guide, as your only compass. And you shall enter heaven. But the consequence is also true. There's another road. Another entrance. There's another method of traveling. And there's another solemn destination. And that's destruction. We have a name for that place. It's called hell. The broad road that leads to a lost eternity in hell. And that's why this question is so important. There's only one road to heaven. Are you on that road? Or are you on the broad path that leads to a lost eternity in hell? And don't be mistaken, just because you find yourselves in the walls of this building doesn't mean that you're not on the broad path that leads to hell. Because the devil wants you to think, well, it's only the drunks staggering up and down Academy Street this evening. It's only them who are going to hell. There'll be many people in hell who heard hundreds of sermons. Thousands of sermons. Christ says, my disciples are on the narrow path that leads to heaven. What road are you on this evening? Heading for heaven or heading for hell? So we want to look at four things 
in order to help us answer that solemn question. Are you on the road that leads to heaven? First of all, Christ lays before us the truth that there are two gates. Two gates. Because in order to gain access to one of these roads, there's two entrances that intending travellers have to pass through. And he tells us what they are. Firstly, in verse 13, there's a wide gate. And then, in contrast, in verse 14, there's a straight gate. So what's the difference between these two gates, this wide gate? How wide is this gate? Now, I say to my own congregation in Alt Bay that we know many Greek words. The word that we so often use in our language, mega, that's a Greek word. It means great, numerous, numbersome. We know the word for wide. It comes from the Greek word platus, from which we derive plateau. Now, everyone knows a plateau, a wide, broad expanse. It's spread out. So it conveys to us immediately in our minds, this is an enormous entrance. So because it's wide, because it's enormous, it's very easy to negotiate. Very easy to get through. Everyone and anyone can effortlessly get through this wide gate and gain access to a particular road. But there's another gate. And that's the old English word here in verse 14, straight. And again, those of you in the, the medical profession, nurses and doctors, will also know this word. The Greek word for straight here is stenos, from which we get stenosis, which is, I believe, a narrowing of the spinal cord. It's very tight. It's constricted. It's slim. In other words, in contrast to the broad gate, it's not so easy to negotiate this gate. In fact, it's so straight, it's so narrow that it takes a great deal of effort even to find it, to see it. Where is it? It's so narrow. So it tells us that you have to be looking for it. You have to be looking for this gate because it's so small. It's not easy. It's not like the broad gate. It's not obvious. A great deal of effort is required in order to get through it. That's the great contrast that's placed before us. I used to have a lot of experience in dealing with crowd events, crowd dynamics, sports stadiums, concerts. And you would see them filing in, going through the turnstiles, going through the entrance gate one at a time, squeezing through in order that their credentials, their tickets, their entrance money could be paid, they could be checked, and then they were allowed in. 
And people were always going to the wrong gate and they would have to run to the next gate because you couldn't let them in unless they had the right credentials. But the opposite happened at the end of the event. These huge gates, the exit gates were open and everyone flooded out. It would be disastrous if it was the other way around. If for a sporting event or a concert, you opened the wide gates and everybody flew in, and then at the end they all had to squeeze out. It's a recipe for disaster. The narrow gate is the one to come in. Not the wide gate. Because it must be regulated. And so it is with these two spiritual gates. Because of course the Lord isn't speaking about literal things. He's using metaphors. He's using pictures to convey to us the spiritual gate. And what he's saying to his people is, my people enter in at the straight gate. They come through the difficult gate. The unbeliever, they go through the wide gate. So what's the gate? What's the gate that we must either enter through or avoid? Well, we don't need to invent an answer to that. The Lord Jesus Christ tells us himself. He says, I am the door. I'm the gate. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. By me, I'm the door. It's restricted to me. That's the tightness of it. There's no other way in. I am the door exclusively. It's very restrictive, very straight. What's he speaking of? He's speaking about regeneration. He's speaking about conversion. He's speaking about saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only gate, and therefore its demands are tight. They're restrictive. They're straight. So straight, as we sang in Psalm 32, the restrictions are repent and believe, otherwise you can't get through this gate. You must be repenting of your sins. You must be believing in Jesus Christ. And that's too narrow for many. That's too straight. So it's rejected. It's overlooked. Surely there must be another gate. Surely there's another way that we can get in. Those of you who've read the Pilgrim's Progress, I would encourage everyone to read the children's the Pilgrim's Progress. And the children, there's a children's version. Read it. Read it every year. And we're told of how Christian is walking down the narrow way and he's disturbed by these two climbing over the wall because they're looking for an easy way in. They're called formalist and hypocrisy. They don't want to go through the wicked gate. They don't want to go through the way of Calvary. They don't want to go through the door. What does Christ say to Nicodemus? Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He can't get in. Because Christ's the door and he's a narrow door. So there's a narrow gate 
a straight gate, and there's a wide gate. But we see, secondly, not only is there two gates, there's two ways. These gates directly reflect the path, the road, the way that they lead on to, the road that they give access to. And we note, first of all, and we must always note this, Christ details in very clear language that I'm sure even the, the youngest child here is wonderful to see children. Listen up, children. I wish I had when I was young. It's the best thing that your parents can do for you is to bring you to God's house to hear the good news of salvation. But Christ tells us here, there's only a choice of two ways. There's only a choice of two gates and two paths. You can't misunderstand this. There's no middle road. There's no third option. There's a broad way and there's a narrow way. We're all journeying to the appointment that we cannot fail to keep. It's appointed unto men once to die. And every one of us here is going to die. That's the journey that we're making. And we must make sure that on that journey to meet our death, we are either on one of these paths. We must make sure that we are on the narrow path. Why? Because we're told. Verse 13, broad is the way. There's a broad path. Again, it tells us that it's wide. It's a wide gate, a plateau, and it leads to a spacious, easy, comfortable path. Plenty of room to manoeuvre. Very few obstacles. We can meander wherever we wish. It's like a, a five-lane motorway. Or those of you who've travelled in, in Germany, you know the, the autobahns. There's, there's no speed restrictions. You can go whatever speed you like. This is the way of go where you want, do what you want, and go whatever speed you like. That's the broad path. Theologically, it's called the path of free will. I'm the master of my own destiny. So you think. As the psalmist says in Psalm 12, the wicked go along the broad path and they say, who's, who's Lord over us? I will not have the Bible imposed upon me. I will reject the teachings of Jesus Christ. I choose the path of independence, self-will and comfort. I choose the path with no boundaries, no constraints. Or so they think. But the, the other way, in verse 14, is the narrow way. They're a contrast. It's like a, a single track, a, a bridle path at the side of a field. Hedged in walled in tightly on either side. No divergence is possible. But it's precarious. It's difficult. There's roots sticking up to trip you up. There's holes that you fall into and stumble over. You stumble into the hedgerows and you damage yourself. 
It's sometimes difficult to keep in a straight line because it's the way of exactness. It's the way of precision. It's a way that has rules. It's a way that has strict limits. It's a way that has duties. It has, is the way that is commanded. And it's narrow because it's fenced in by the word of God. The word of God is the only rule to direct us how we are to walk this narrow path. Is that not what the Lord of glory says? This is the way. Walk ye in it. Don't choose our own way. We don't choose the broad path. The narrow path is the path of holiness. Not the path of worldly ease. Oh, and of course, walking this path is difficult. It takes resolution. It takes determination. It takes perseverance. It takes, as we saw this morning, holding fast to Jesus Christ. And it's tough. But Christ tells us it's tough. He tells us on this narrow way, you shall have affliction. And then he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I'm leading you along this path. It's rough. It's steep. We stumble. What a contrast to the broad, easy path. So everyone here and everyone listening online, all of us, can be subdivided into one of these two categories at this time. We're either on the narrow path, the narrow way, or we're on the broad path. Which one are you on? Because Christ says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And that's how you know whether you're on the narrow path. Are you serving Jesus Christ? Are you serving him with your whole heart and soul and mind and strength? Are you depending on him as you sometimes feel as if you're stumbling along the narrow path? One step forward, two steps back sometimes you know that he's leading you on the way. But if you've got no thoughts of Jesus Christ, if you have no love for Jesus Christ, if you're not depending on Jesus Christ for your salvation, by default you're on the broad path. By your own choice, you're choosing to walk that broad path. The broad path that's the DIY path. I'll do it myself. I don't need Jesus Christ for anything. Or the narrow path, where those walking the narrow path say, I need Jesus Christ for everything. Every day, I need his sustaining grace on this path. Two gates, two ways. We see thirdly, Two travellers. Jesus now draws his congregation and our attention to those who are travelling on these two roads. And again, he makes the division himself. 
the end of verse 13. Those who are on the broad path are many, and many there be which go in thereat, compared in verse 14 to those who are on the narrow path. Few there be that find it. The many and the few. What's the contrast between the, these two? Well, if there's many on the broad path, if there are many who have entered in through the wide gate, it tells us, in other words, that this is by far the most popular road. It's full. Full of travellers. Everyone's doing it. The majority of people are on this road. Most people are on this road. And what do they say to one another? Well, if the most people are on this road, it must be the right way. And they encourage one another. Which way are you? Well, I'm choosing to do this and I'm choosing to do that. Well, we're all choosing to do that. So this must be the right way. So many of us going in this direction, surely we can't all be wrong. Fueling one another's self-delusion. And it's rampant in our own day and age. Like the emperor's new clothes. No one dares to stand up and say, by the way, the emperor's naked. He's not got anything on. And the many choose the easy gate. They choose the easy road. Because they want an easy journey. They don't want to be troubled. They want the line of least resistance. They don't want the Lord of glory saying to them, this is the way that you must walk. So they reject God. They reject Jesus Christ. And with a blindness and an ignorance and like unthinking lemons, they march along this road lured by false empty promises. Prosperity, contentment, promotion, advantage in life, money, gifts. And you all know it's true. We see it every single day. And the biggest delusion we see, sparkly lights everywhere. An illusion. Buy into this. This is the broad path. Buy into this that sparkly lights can cover up addiction, can cover up domestic abuse, can cover up your sin. The broad path. And there's hundreds of thousands of millions traveling along it. And who's on the narrow path? Well, Christ tells us there's only a few. Few there be that find it. And there's few on this path because it calls for self-denial. It calls for putting yourself second. It calls for self-sacrifice. It calls for obedience. It means that you will find tribulation. It means that you will be required to persevere and endure. It calls for all sorts of things. One of the hardest things on this path is loneliness, exclusion, when your family abandon you, 
because you're on the narrow path. Oh, that's tough. When the world rejects you and when you have to travel this on your own. If you know of any who are the only Christian in their family, I'll pray for them. It's a tough walk. If you're the only Christian in an unconverted family, what an affliction, but what a privilege to witness that you're on the narrow path. It's not popular with the masses. There's only a remnant walking on this path. And as we look out on the world today, holiness is rejected. Godly living is despised. And vanity is promoted and embraced. And they all say, come and walk with us. It's like the one in the first few chapters of Proverbs. The enticements. Come and throw your lot in with us. How did the few travellers find the gate? And this is important. They find the gate because they're seeking it. They want it. They want to be on the narrow path. And as we sang in Psalm 110 this morning, they have been made willing to endure the hardship that comes with walking the narrow path. But they endure the hardship looking unto Jesus, looking to what he endured, looking at his self-sacrifice, looking at his submission to the will of the Father. Oh, the narrow, biblical, Christ-centered believer is despised. The narrow, biblical, Christ-centered churches are empty. We drove through the center of, of Inverness coming here this evening. Grievous. You see the many. The many traveling. Urging one another on. Traveling on this broad road. It should make those who are on the narrow path very thankful. Very thankful that your lot this evening is not even to have the slightest desire to be with them. But it should make those here who are on the broad path, it should make you shudder. They're outnumbered. Outnumbered by the many on this broad path. But we seek God's grace to stay narrow. To say, stay strict. Even although I'm alone. Even although I'm outnumbered. Why? Because we see fourthly and finally there's two destinations. There are two destinations to these two gates. Two ways. The two travellers which are on these roads. 
are heading to one of two destinations. On the face of it, the broad road is very appealing. On the face of it, the broad path has everything going for it. It's easy to get on. It's comfortable to walk on in this life. There's plenty of company. It's jovial. There are parties. There are entertainments. It's like you're, you're sailing with a, with a fair wind, with favourable tides, with abundant provision. Everything's going well, but there is one solemn disadvantage. It terminates in hell. It terminates in destruction. It ends in a lost eternity. The broad path that leads to hell itself. Don't be deluded. Christ himself speaking. This broad path terminates in the dark, eternal torments of lostness in hell. The word that's used for destruction here, again, is a word that we'll know. In Revelation, the ruler of this lost dark place is called Apollyon. It's taken from the Greek verb Apollya, which means lost. Ruin. Damnation. The ruler of this place of destruction, of darkness, of lostness, is Apollyon. But the devil's very subtle to those who are on the broad path. He'll say, don't worry too much, because there's nothing after death. Swallowed by millions of fools in our own day and age. Once you die, that's it. Annihilation, nothing thereafter. Don't be deluded. There's two destinations. Don't take my word for it. The Saviour himself, the Lord of glory, tells us that this broad path ends in a place of eternal torment where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and not one thing to comfort you. Not a single drop of water on the tongue to alleviate that torment which will go on and on and on for all eternity. As one man said, all oh, those on the broad path had better make the best of it in this life because they'll have the worst of it in the next. You reap what you sow. You choose to walk on the narrow path and the end is destruction in hell ah but glory be to God there's another path there's another path that terminates in life this narrow road this difficult road that you have to enter in through this tight straight gate where the company is few where loneliness and affliction abounds this narrow path ends in heaven where there's no tears there's no pain there's no sorrow 
There's just joy evermore in the presence of Allah. It ends in the glories and the bliss of heaven itself, where the Lamb sits in the midst of the throne, and a multitude that no man can number, 10,000 times 10,000 for all eternity, are singing joyous praise, time without end. Imagine a place where there's no tears, there's no pain, there's no affliction, there's no sorrow. And when those who are chosen by God's grace to walk this narrow path, they will receive a crown of life that fadeth not away. No wonder James says, Blessed is the man that endureth. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised. To them that love him. Those who walk in the narrow way because they love the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have demonstrated by his grace that they will persevere. That they will press on. That in his strength they will overcome the obstacles. They will endure the affliction and the persecutions. And they will hear the words, not, as in verse 23, as those on the broad path will hear, depart from me. I don't know who you are. They will hear the words, come, ye blessed of the Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Is it not worth walking on the narrow path? What a wonderful destination that is. And it's promised. It's guaranteed. It's assured. And go on that road, the road that leads to this place where Christ dwells and there are joys evermore. Two gates, two ways, two travels, two destinations. Christ the most perfect, skillful preacher gives us these four solemn contrasts to consider this evening. And I would urge every one of us to give consideration to these contrasts. Because you've either passed through the wide gate or you've passed through the straight gate. You're either walking on the broad way or you're on the narrow way. You're heading for destruction in hell or you're heading for eternal life. You're walking with the many or you're walking with the godly few. And if you know by God's grace that you're on that narrow path, well, we should rush home, fall on our knees and give thanks that for some reason he has chosen to love Jacob and redeem them with the blood of his son. It should make us humble, and it should make us want to serve him better, and serve him more. But if you know that you're on the broad path, there's wonderful news. He's given you another day to repent. He's given you another opportunity to change paths. 
You see, that's the wonderful thing about the gospel. You need not stay on the broad path. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Shake the delusions of thinking that the path that you're on without Jesus Christ, he says, I am the gate. I am the way. He even says, I'll be your companion. I'll be the friend that sticketh closer than any brother through the thick and thins. And he says, I am the destination. Flee to him. He promises in his word. From his own lips, he says, those that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. And every one of the Lord's people can testify this evening that they weren't cast out. Come to him in repentance. Confess your sins in faith. <coughs> Cry unto him, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. Take me off the broad path. Take me out of the fearful pit. Take me out of the miry clay and set my feet on thyself, the rock. The narrow way that leads to eternal life. It's a good path. He's a good master. We're heading for heaven. Come with us. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray. Oh, who is like thee among the gods that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of thine heritage, who remaineth not angry forever but delighteth to show mercy, we pray, O Lord, that thou would reveal thyself as one who delights in mercy this evening, that we would all repent of our sins, perhaps for the thousandth time, perhaps for the first time. And if there are any who have troubled consciences, who worry about their life's destination, we pray, O Lord, that thou would draw them with the cords of thy love, that they would come unto thee as thou art to be found and as thou art declared in thy word. And if they cannot come to thee in faith, may they come to thee pleading for faith. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Bless thy word to each and every soul that heard it. May thy spirit Take it in power. May it be the sharp arrows of thy truth, landing in the hearts of the enemies of the king and subduing sinners to thyself. We thank thee, O Lord, for another day to spend in thy house where thou hast promised to be in the midst of thy people. Inhabit our closing praise as thou hast promised. Forgive our iniquities and love us freely. We ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. We conclude our public worship this Lord's Day singing to God's praise in Psalm 37. From verse 37, the closing four stanzas of Psalm 37. <coughs> Mark thou the perfect 
And behold, the man of uprightness, because that surely of this man, the latter end is peace. And here we have this wonderful, solemn contrast between the wicked and the just. Those men that transgressors are shall be destroyed together. The latter end of wicked men shall be cut off forever. But the salvation of the just is from the Lord above. He in the time of their distress, their stay and strength doth prove. 37 to the end of Psalm 37 to God's praise. stand to receive the Lord's benediction. <coughs> the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.